Matthew chapter number 1, and we're going to read verses 20 and 21 this morning. Matthew chapter number 1, verse 20 and 21. The Bible says, and while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Father, I thank you today for the greatest gift that has ever been given, the gift of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this time of the year. Thank you for all that that it represents. Father, I just pray again today that your anointing will rest upon the message, upon the messenger, Lord, today. Father, give us ears upon our heart to hear your word today. Encourage us with your word, we pray. God, I pray that each and every one of us will have the greatest Christmas time that we've ever experienced in our lives, Father. All for your glory, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Lord. You may be reseated this morning. While most people enjoy an emotional high at Christmas time, Yet there are others who experience an emotional low. And while most are celebrating, yet there are others that are just simply trying to hang on, trying just to survive. While most are hoping for a white Christmas, there are plenty of people that are just hoping that that they will not experience another blue Christmas. I don't know this morning, maybe that's you, maybe, maybe that's you, you are one of those that, that are trying just somehow, if you can just make it, if only you can just survive, if only you can just hang on, if you can just, just survive the next few days. For you, whatever reason, and for whatever reason, Christmas time doesn't provide the tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy that the song depicts. For you, joy to the world is quite the opposite of what you seem to experience. I don't know what it is that, that might cause you to have a blue Christmas. Maybe it's the added financial pressure that, that comes to all of us around this time of the year. My only complaint against Santa is the sucker didn't pay his own bill. I don't know what it is this morning that 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 may cause you to experience a a blue Christmas. Perhaps Christmas brings back some bad childhood memories and memories that you would just as soon forget. Perhaps it is the hassle of who gets the kids and, and what days do they get the kids because of a broken home or a blended family. For you, perhaps World War III always seems to break out in your house when all the siblings gather back together and everyone starts pushing one another's buttons. And every family has that one particular person that always seems to say the wrong thing at the wrong 
time. At Thanksgiving, that person was me. I said the wrong thing at the wrong time. Blue Christmas. In this time of comfort and joy, in this time of joy to the world, in this time with all, all of the packaging and all of the hoopla of Christmas, how in the world could anybody experience a blue Christmas? And yet they do. So this morning I want to talk to you about how to guarantee that you will experience a blue Christmas. I'm sure you all want to know about how to do it. Let me suggest four things this morning. Number, number one this morning, if you, want to have a, if you want to have a blue Christmas, if you want to make sure that and guarantee a blue Christmas in, in your life, number one, make it all about yourself and not about others. Make it all about yourself and not about, about others. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says, don't be selfish. It says don't be selfish. It says think about others more than you think about yourself. It says, don't just look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others. Let me suggest this morning that selfish people are miserable at Christmas time. Because they are constantly keeping score. Have you ever met them? Oh, they know the price of everything but the value of nothing. Let me ask you this morning, are you aware that price and value are two completely different things? Let me ask you this question this morning, which is more important to you, what's fair or what will bring about peace? What's important to you, what's fair for you or what's best for your children? You see, you can put your foot down and you can demand, oh, oh, we're going to go by the letter of the law and you can insist on your rights. But in so doing, you can also destroy your children in the process. Oh, you, 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 you can prove that your grandkids were at the in-laws on Christmas Day last year, so they must be at your house on Christmas Day this year. And you can prove it. Although that might be what's fair, it might also be what drives a wedge between you and your son or your daughter or their mates. I had two grandmas when I was growing up. Truth of the matter is, I really only had one. I had one grandma that was so loving. Oh, I love to see her. She always made me feel special and good when I went to see grandma. The other one, she was a mess. There was always a power struggle. I'll never forget one time I was just a little boy. I don't know, maybe eight, nine years old. We go to her house in the afternoon, on Christmas afternoon. 
and here I am just a little boy. And I see all my little cousins playing with their toys, and I ask them where they got their toys, and they say, Grandma got us the toys. But there was no toy for me. There was no toy for my sister. There was no toy for my two brothers. And my grandma told me, said, Mike, if you ought to have been here for Christmas dinner, you'd have got a Christmas present. Because you were at the other grandma's for Christmas dinner and not at my table. What? I'm, I'm just a little eight, nine-year-old, innocent little boy. Okay. You're mad at my dad. You're mad at your son. You're mad at your daughter-in-law. That's your business. Don't take it out on your grandkids. If you want to guarantee yourself and those that you have influence over, if you want to make sure that everybody has a blue Christmas, oh, then make, make everything be about you. Make everything be about what you want. Oh, oh, make everything about what is fair. Make everything be about what's appealing to you and what's accommodating to you. Oh, oh, constantly keep score. Go by the letter of the law. Demand your rights. Oh, put your foot down. Show no mercy. Give no grace. Go ahead. Do it. Do it. If you want to guarantee, you'll have a blue Christmas. Second thing you can do to guarantee yourself a blue Christmas. Be more interested in what you get than in what you give. uh, Christmas ought to be about giving. I said Christmas should be all about giving. You see, the greatest gift that has ever been given was, was delivered on that first Christmas morning when God gave Jesus His one and His only Son He gave to the world. Our text for today says, And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 7 said, And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloth, and laid him in a manger. Let me suggest two things about giving this morning. Number one, you've heard me say this many times, but, but giving is a great indicator of what's in a person's heart. Giving is a great indicator of what is in a person's heart. Matthew 6 and 21 says that where you place your treasure is where you will find your heart. So what was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying giving is a great indicator of what is on the inside of man. Giving is a great indicator of what is in a man or a person's heart. Here's what I've discovered, and that is man will spend his money on what is nearest and dearest to his heart. He may complain about money, spending it here and there and somewhere else. But oh, when it comes time to do something, when it comes time to spend money on that which is near and that which is dear into his heart, amen, you will, you will not hear him grumbling, you will not hear him complaining, but no, no, no. Oh, he will become very generous in the areas that are most dear to his heart. 
John 3.16 said that God so loved the world. Oh, oh, but notice the next phrase. God so loved the world that he gave. And what did God give? Oh, God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son. Let me submit to you today that God spared no expense. Oh, he didn't look for a basement bargain. He wasn't looking for a blue light special. On that first Christmas morning, God gave the very best gift that heaven had to give. The gift of God's one and only son. Second thing about giving generosity is the true proof of love. Generosity is the true proof of love. You see, to the degree, to the degree of your generosity reveals the degree of your love. I want to say that again this morning. To the degree of your generosity reveals the degree of your love. And the amount of your generosity reveals the amount of your love. You see, you can tell God that you love Him until you're blue in the face. You can tell God how much you love Him all day long. Oh, you can sing love songs to Him in worship. Oh, all you want to. But listen, if you are not generous toward Him, let me ask you this morning, do you really love Him? Oh, you can tell your wife, you can tell your kids, you can tell your parents, you can tell your friends. Oh, how much you love them. But at the end of the day, generosity is the true proof of love. If you genuinely, truly love them, you will be generous with them. You will be generous with your time. You will be generous with your talent. And you will be generous with your treasure. Let me ask you this question this morning. Do you actually give anything at Christmas time? Or is it just one giant swap meet? I said, do you really give anything at Christmas time? Or is it just one giant flea market, one giant swap meet? I give you a gift, you give me a gift. You spend 50 bucks on me, I got to spend 50 bucks on you. I find out you only gave 20, spent 20 on me, I spent 50 on you. I'm upset. Are we more interested in what we get than what we give? Acts 20 and 35 said, you should remember the words of Jesus. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Let me be honest with you. I never could quite wrap my hands around that verse. I, I could never quite understand that verse when I was a kid. And especially around Christmas time, that it's more blessed to give than it is to, to receive. I didn't understand that, but I, and I, I knew I wanted everyone to be blessed. I knew I wanted everybody to be blessed, so bring on the presents. Come on, I'll take one for the team. If you want to guarantee yourself a blue Christmas, sit around with a calculator in your hands. Tally up all the presents. Tally up all their value. Get all, get all huffy and upset over the amount of your Christmas bonus. Or the lack thereof. Be more interested in what you get than in what you give. 
I'm not trying to help you to guarantee yourself a blue Christmas. Just do these things. Let me suggest a third thing you can do if you want to guarantee yourself a blue Christmas. Number three, compare your Christmas experience with the Christmas experience of others. Compare your Christmas experience with the Christmas experience of others. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 says, it's unwise to compare yourself with others. Well, I say that if it is unwise to compare ourselves with others, then, then there are a whole lot of unwise people in this world because, because that's what most people constantly do. We compare our looks. I feel sorry for you if you're comparing your looks with mine. I'm, I just feel sorry for you. But we do. We go to our high school reunion. We say, who are these old people? Man, they look old, but I don't look old. We compare our looks. We compare our stuff. A few years ago, there was a bumper sticker that said, he who dies with the most toys wins. That's, that's, that's the American mentality. Well, let me just tell you that he who dies with the most toys, they're still dead. <laughs> they just have a bigger fight at the revealing of the will. But we do. We constantly compare. We compare our looks. We compare our stuff. We compare our houses. We compare our cars. How oh, we compare our clothes. We compare our positions, we, we compare our jobs, we even compare our Christmas experiences. Yeah. yeah, for many families, Christmas dinner is just grown-up show and tell. Hello? I said it's grown-up. Show and tell. But I ask you, how grown up is it really? And no wonder the black sheep of the family never comes around anymore. They finally got tired of losing at show and tell. I mean the people that ought to love them unconditionally. The people that ought to love them no matter what. They can't even go there. Because they know it's just going to be show and tell again. And they know they're going to be at the bottom of the rung. And so they don't come around anymore. Hello? And Christmas dinner turns into family feud. Or it turns into the let's compare game. Listen to me this morning. The let's compare game, this is the game where no one wins. Nobody wins. This is the game where people's self-esteem get wounded and bruised. 
this is the game uh, where hurt feelings happen. Oh, oh, this is the game where families are divided and, and siblings are forced to choose up sides. So if you or your family plays the comparison game, it's time to stop. It's time to stop playing grown-up show and tell. It's time to stop the comparison game. Here's what I have come to realize. Say, Pastor, you know a little bit about that? Yeah, I do. I do. I played the game for years. I don't play it anymore. Don't play it anymore. Refuse to play. Will I play it? Even though with most of my family I could win the game. But I will not play that game anymore. I refuse. And here's what I've come to realize. People who play the let's compare game, the people who play this game have issues. People who play this game are unwise. And people who play this game are naive. You say, Pastor, naive, why do you say that people who play the compare game are naive? Because they take as fact that which is being presented. When in reality, hardly anything is actually as it appears on the surface. I am not the person you think I am. I'm not. For some of you, I'm not nearly as bad as you think I am. I'm not as mean, hard-nosed as you think I am. For some of you, I'm not nearly as bad as you think. And for a whole lot of you, I'm not nearly as good think I am. Hello? And it's naive for us to judge when all we see is surface. And it's naive for us to compare ourselves with somebody else because they are showing us their best. And especially when they come home for Christmas. Some of them come home in a rented Cadillac. They leave the old beater at home. I know what I'm talking about. People that play the compare game are naive. Because they take at face value and they take as fact what is being presented. When actually... Actually, what is being presented is not 100% fact. Because we all know how to play the game. How you doing this morning? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. When in reality...
We know. We all know how to play the game. We all know how to put on our happy face. Well, there's a couple of you that haven't learned how to do that yet. <laughs> but most of us know how to put on our happy face. You see, people rarely tell you what's really going on on the inside. Oh, oh, people rarely let you in oh, on their true feelings. Rarely do people present on the outside what actually is going on on the inside. No, 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 most people have learned how to do the song and dance. They've learned how to present well. And most comparisons are not apples for apples. Amen? When I pull in to the golf course to play golf with one of my preacher buddies and he drives up in his new Cadillac and I drive up in my 10-year-old tribute with 180,000 miles on it. I'm driving my vehicle. His vehicle's driving him. Nothing wrong with a new Cadillac. I might have one someday. I'm not saying nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying it's usually not apples for apples. Not apples for apples. We've all learned how to present well. If you want to guarantee yourself a blue Christmas, then compare your Christmas experience with the Christmas experience of others. Let me make two statements about comparisons. Two statements about comparisons. Number one, comparison is a sign of ungratefulness. Comparison is a sign of ungratefulness. When you compare your stuff with somebody else's stuff, this means that you're not grateful for your stuff. When you compare your stuff with somebody else's stuff, it means that you are not thankful for the provision that God has provided you with. You see, people who are truly thankful are contented people. So let me encourage you today, stop looking at what everybody else has and start being grateful for what God has given you. And let me ask you this this morning, why should God give you more if you're not thankful for what you have? Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5 says, be content with such things as you have. Not only is comparison a sign of ungratefulness, comparison is a sign of unhappiness. You see, genuinely happy people don't compare what they have with what others have. They don't have to because they are content with the provision that God has given to them. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 11, I have learned. The fact that he learned tells me he wasn't always this way. Paul said, I have learned how to be content. With whatever I have. I'll never forget one time when my oldest brother came out to West Texas where I was living. Came out for a visit. And I'll never forget he looked around at that flat treeless country. And he looked at me and he said, I don't know how anybody could be happy. Living out here in this God-forsaken country. 
was. I was. For over 20 years, I was. My baby girl was born in that God-forsaken country. In 1980, in a bank, actually a hospital now, but before that was a bank. Or no, it's opposite one. I don't know. Anyway, it's been cha-ching ever since she's been born. That's all I know. I said, for over 20 years, I was happy. Why? Why? I say, why not? Why not? My baby girl was born in West Texas in 1980. I had my family. I, I had a nice home. I had a successful ministry. I had wonderful friends. Hey, hey, I could go on vacation to see pretty country. And all the time when people would complain about how ugly West Texas was, and I'm not a native from West Texas, but I was always telling them, I said, well, you know, at least we get to go somewhere prettier. You know, when we leave, wherever you go, it's prettier. You know what I'm saying? Hey, if we would learn how to be grateful for what we have rather than concentrating on what we don't have, our lives would be much more fulfilling. If you want to guarantee yourself a blue Christmas, compare what you have with what other people have. And finally, how many likes that word finally? Don't you wish it meant something? Finally, the last thing I want to share this morning, if you want to guarantee that you have a blue Christmas, number four, to guarantee yourself a blue Christmas, leave Christ out of Christmas. Luke 2 and 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloth, and laid him in a manger. Notice the next phrase, because there was no room for them in the inn. There was no room. On that very first Christmas morning, there was no room for Jesus. Friend, just as there was no room for baby Jesus on that first Christmas morning for far too many people today, they too have no room for Jesus. Just think about it for just a moment this morning. How would you like to have your birthday celebrated like we celebrate the birth of Jesus? I mean, there's a birthday party, but nobody invites Jesus to the party. And in some Christmas parties, the ungodliness that takes place at the party, he wouldn't feel comfortable at his own party. Oh, there are gifts. There are gifts. Oh, everybody gets a gift. Oh, some people get a mountain of gifts. Everybody gets a gift. Everybody but the one having the birthday. <laughs> and in America today, in most of our schools, we can't even celebrate Christmas. We can't even have Christmas vacation. We just have to have winter break or a holiday party. 
Our retail stores oh, who do as much as 60, 70, even 80% of their entire year's revenue at Christmas time selling Christmas presents, most of them will not even say Merry Christmas. Instead, they say Happy Holidays. When they say Happy Holidays to me, I say Merry Christmas. People who leave Christ out of Christmas are guilty of two things. Number one, they focus on the distractions of Christmas. They focus on the distractions of Christmas. And the distractions are many and various. Like, you know, all the myths, all the traditions, the fairy tales of Christmas. You know, like Santa Claus and Rudolph and the reindeer and and the lights and the trees and the tinsel and the, and the parties and the gift exchange and the eggnog and the hot chocolate and cookies by the fireplace on, on Christmas Eve. And quite honestly, there's nothing really wrong with any of these things. It's fun. It's nostalgic. It's, it's pretty much harmless. It's It's wholesome. And yet for far too many people, they so focus on the distractions of Christmas that they've allowed all the distractions to totally crowd out Jesus. If the worship team could get back up in place very quickly and very quietly, please. Far too many, they totally forget the main attraction of Christmas. Jesus is still the reason for the season. It's because of his birth. It's because then of his life. It's because then of his death. It's because of in his resurrection, Jesus, Son of God, becoming Jesus, Son of Man. Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. So so, so go ahead and drink your eggnog. Go ahead and have your Christmas party. Go ahead and exchange your gifts. Go ahead and enjoy your Christmas dinner. Eat your pumpkin pie. Oh, trim your tree. Hang your lights. Oh, but do not not leave Christ out of Christmas. Don't just celebrate Christmas. Celebrate Jesus. Sing songs about Jesus. It's okay to go dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. It's okay. Okay to have the jingle bell rock. That's okay. I'm not going to go to hell. But don't forget to sing songs about Jesus. Don't just celebrate Christmas. Celebrate Jesus. The Christ of Christmas. Read the Christmas story before you pass out the gifts. That's the way it is at our house. It's been that way for as long as I can remember. No gifts are opened until Krista, the designated Christmas story reader, reads the story.
Yeah, there's a mountain of packages. Yeah, there's a mountain of gifts. Yeah. And I love to give. I love to give. It's not about us. About Him. Not just about Christmas. It's about our Christ. It's about our Jesus. It's about our Lord. So don't forget the main attraction of Christmas. Don't leave Christ out of Christmas. Amen.